You're listening to the Informal Bible Study, a casual and applicational look at the Scriptures. I'm John Stonge, and it's great to have you with us today. In just a few moments, we're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 to 17, and we're going to be asking the question, how can I overcome my fear of other people? But before we take a look at that, I wanted to share just a couple quick things with you. First of all, we just released Desire Jesus, Volume 9. It just became available just the other day. It's available on Amazon if you like to pay money for books, or if you want it for free, you can just go over to desirejesus.com, and the PDF version of the book is available for free download right now. And I plan to leave it there for a little bit, so stop on over to desirejesus.com and be sure to download Desire Jesus, Volume 9. And while you're there, don't forget to check out the blog and some of the other resources that we have on the site. Now, as I mentioned just a few moments ago, today we're asking the question, how can I overcome my fear of other people? And that's probably something that, to one degree or another, we've all wrestled with. I think we've probably all encountered certain personality types that we find uh, a little bit frightening, a little bit intimidating, sometimes difficult to deal with. And in some contexts, we can probably even point to certain people we've had to interact with that have terrified us. And that was certainly true for the people living during the era of the early church. And so as Peter was writing this letter, he was addressing this kind of subject to this group of people. So it applied to the early church, but it also applies to us in the context in which we live in right now. So if you would take your Bibles and join with me as we look at 1 Peter chapter 3. Again, we're going to pick up at verse 13, and I'll read down to verse 17. And this is what it says. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the privilege to be able to look at this portion of Scripture together today. And we pray, Lord, that by your grace, that you would speak it to us, that you'd help us to understand it, and that you'd help us to apply these truths to our day-to-day living. Lord, we're grateful for the fact that you give us access to your word, and you give us this kind of counsel that is applicable in so many spheres of our lives. So speak to us now, Lord, we pray, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you consider yourself easy to intimidate, or would you say you think you're, you're not that easy to intimidate? Are there certain personality types that produce a certain level of fear within you when you encounter them? Are there people in your life that you care a little too much about their opinion than you really should? One of the most common fears we face on a regular basis is the fear of man. Sometimes we're afraid of what people might say about us 
or what they might think about us or what they might actually do to us. Uh, I've also learned that, that those who try their best to convince me that this isn't something that they struggle with are also wrestling with this kind of battle, often on a deeper level than they're willing to admit, even to themselves. But truthfully, it isn't hard to see why people become fearful of other people. In this world, think about this for just a second. In this world, who has hurt you the most? Rabid dogs? (laughs) Great white sharks? Poisonous snakes? Or other people? (laughs) We all have the same answer to that question. Other people may have slandered us, caused us physical or emotional pain, and may have intentionally conveyed a standoff attitude toward us that keeps us at a distance. Because of what we've experienced in the past, it's reasonable to be concerned about what people might have the potential to do to us in the future. That's certainly something the early church that Peter wrote his letters to would have been wrestling with as they experienced things like persecution and suffering and just general disdain from certain segments of their culture. But becoming overly fearful of other people isn't Christ's desire for his church. So if we've been wrestling with the fear of other people, what kind of counsel do we find in God's Word to help us overcome that kind of struggle? Well, there's a few things that are mentioned here in this portion of 1 Peter 3, but one of the things that stands out to me right away is the idea that's conveyed here where we're told not to be afraid to suffer for righteousness. Don't be afraid to suffer for righteousness. Look at what it says in verses 13 and 14. It says this, Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. I consider the community that I live in to be a very nice place to reside. I think it looks nice. Uh, The weather isn't that extreme. There's certainly times during the winter where it gets rather cold, but I don't think of it as being all that extreme. And there's lots of conveniences not that far from my home. Uh, When we first moved here to our home uh, nine years ago, I bought a few pieces of furniture for our home, including a recliner for our family room. Soon after buying it, while I was sitting on it and enjoying it, I had a thought occur to me that still comes to my mind regularly. I have the privilege to live like I do in a nice community with a nice chair, not only as the fruit of my labor, but also because of sacrifices others have made for me in the past. The simple comforts of my life are also reminders to me of people like my great-grandfather who spent his entire working day digging coal deep in the mines of northeast Pennsylvania. His name was Joseph Lewis, and he died when the mine he was working in caved in. And during his life, he sacrificed so that his children and his grandchildren and his great-grandchildren could enjoy a better life someday. Well, the early church displays a very strong similarity to that experience. In our culture, there are certainly challenges that we experience as Christians who take our faith in Christ seriously, but many of the comforts and privileges we enjoy on a day-to-day basis 
are the fruit of the suffering and the investments of believers who lived in generations before ours. The generation Peter was initially writing to had a very difficult time, culturally speaking, as they lived out their faith in Christ. Peter himself was eventually killed because of his faith, and many of the other believers who lived during that era, they also suffered greatly. Well, the Lord sees the suffering of his people, and he sought to encourage them through the words he gave Peter to write. Christ wants his family to know that they don't need to be afraid to suffer for righteousness. As Peter states in this passage, in most cases, it isn't likely that we're going to suffer for doing good. Naturally speaking, suffering often follows as a consequence of making bad decisions or making unwise choices. But it's also possible that even though you may be walking on the right path, suffering can still come your way. If so, don't despise your suffering. Don't resent it. This passage reminds us that the Lord can and will bless your life through it. He will deepen your faith, He will strengthen your resolve, and He'll give you the opportunity to store up heavenly reward as you respond in a Christ-like fashion to your trials. Most people spend their entire lives doing as much as possible to avoid pain or discomfort at all costs. But sadly, when that aversion also translates to an unwillingness to suffer for righteousness, they also give up great opportunities for spiritual blessings, heightened maturity, participating in powerful victories, and some really great stories that are worth retelling. The Scripture reminds us, as we, as we look at this portion of 1 Peter 3, and as we think about this idea of, of this fear of man that we sometimes struggle with, it reminds us, don't be afraid to suffer for righteousness. Then it goes into some greater detail here, and it tells us to remember that only Christ is our Lord. Look at the second half of verse 14 and uh, the first part of verse 15. It says this, have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. I am 41 years old. I turned 41 this past summer, but there is a part of me that I like to joke about, a, a part that I say is still seven years old. <laughs> and uh, I'll say that part comes out whenever a, a member of our family walks in front of our van before getting into it. When the opportunity is right, particularly when I don't think they're paying attention, I love to blast them with the horn and make them jump. And I promise you that trick never gets old. In fact, if anyone else is in the van with me and we all collectively notice that this is about to happen, that someone else from the family is walking toward the van to get in, I usually hear, Dad, get ready to beep the horn. <laughs> we all genuinely seem to enjoy scaring each other. I don't know what that says about my family, but that's apparently how we operate. But when you look at the context that Peter was serving in, he encouraged the church not to be fearful of or troubled by those who were trying to frighten or harm them. Uh, because this was happening in a not a playful way, but a hurtful way. And so he gives them an important tool to utilize in the midst of that effort. Please notice what he emphasizes in this passage. Here, when you look at what, what's said here in this scripture, Peter encourages the church 
to honor Christ the Lord as holy. Now, there's a few aspects of what he's saying here that I want to point out. Who is Peter reminding the church is their Lord? Well, Jesus is the Lord of the church. He's the one in charge. He's the one that's calling the shots, right? He's the one we bow the knee to in worship. Only Jesus is to be given the place of ultimate prominence in our lives. Nobody else. And in a related thought, Peter encourages believers in Christ to honor Christ as holy. Now, when someone is considered holy, we're acknowledging that person as being set apart. So in this case, we're regarding Christ as the one we're called to worship. Ironically, when we overvalue the whims and opinions of someone we live in an unhealthy fear of, we may be attempting to place them in this esteemed position that should only be occupied by Christ. If the way you feel about yourself can be overly elevated or depressed based on the comments or look or attention paid to you by someone else, you might want to ask yourself if you have unknowingly given that person the position in your life that should only be occupied by Jesus. You might want to wrestle with who you're really setting apart as Lord. If we're going to experience true victory over our tendency to fear other people, we need to recognize who really is the Lord of all creation. Jesus is our all-powerful, sovereign Lord, and who we are to him always supersedes who we are to anyone else. Something else that Peter brings up in this portion of Scripture that we would do well to recognize as we wrestle with this idea of how can we overcome being fearful of other people is this. Peter says this in in the second part of verse 15. He challenges us to be ready to explain why our hope is in Christ. This is what it says in the second part of verse 15. Peter says, Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. About 10 years ago, my father asked me to do a favor for him. Uh, He asked me to actually stand in his place before a local magistrate, before a local judge. Uh, My dad, as a business, has for years owned rental properties, and he was dealing with a problem tenant, someone who had been renting from him that was quite difficult to deal with in a variety of ways and was causing a lot of problems. And a hearing was scheduled before a magistrate to deal with some of these issues, but the hearing was scheduled on a day that he wasn't available, and he couldn't cancel another commitment, and he didn't want to cancel this hearing. So he asked me to help him, and I agreed to help him out. But beforehand, I did my best to learn everything I could about the case. I wanted to know every detail I possibly could about the tenant, about what the nature of the problems were, uh, if the rent was not being paid, things of that nature. I wanted to know all the details because I was going to have to stand before a judge and talk about it. So I was nervous before the hearing. I remember as the hearing came about, I thought, all right, this isn't something I've done before, but uh, let's give it a try. But when I discovered as the hearing proceeded that I was able to supply accurate answers to the judge's questions, I began to feel a lot better. I was also very grateful to be able to tell my father that the judge ruled in his favor. 
Preparation reduces fear. I was prepared in that moment, and preparation reduces fear. Many Christians are fearful of sharing all that much about their faith in Christ because they're worried they won't be able to answer questions that might be directed at them. Yet Scripture tells us that unless someone takes the time to share the gospel, people are not going to come to faith in Christ. Look at how it's phrased in Romans chapter 10, verse 14. In that passage, it says this, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? It's an interesting and important passage. Now, when we look here in 1 Peter 3, what counsel does Peter give us in this chapter? Well, here he tells us, to be prepared to explain why our hope is in Christ. And he cautions us to do so not smugly, but with gentleness and respect. We're encouraged to do this so that more and more people will come to know the joy of salvation that we've experienced through faith in Jesus. But how can someone become prepared to do this? You know, when you think about the Bible itself, and maybe you've thought about this from time to time, the Bible's a large book, and most Christians don't have the benefit of receiving formalized training on how to study it. Now, if someone asked me, how can I learn the content of the Bible in a thorough way with the idea of becoming more and more prepared to share uh, the content of it with others, I'd give them this advice. This is just a couple things that I, well, really, you know, as I look at my list here, It's about six things that I I think I would share with someone if they asked me, how can I learn the content of the Bible in a thorough way, in in such a way that I could be prepared to share this content, uh, the details of my hope in Christ with someone else as the Bible conveys it? Well, these are some things that I would suggest. First of all, number one is read a portion of the Bible every day. And I would say as you're doing that, keep a notebook handy and jot down any questions that come up, as well as verse references that may have sparked your questions. One of my favorite things to do uh, is to just kind of, sometimes when I come across something in Scripture that I'm either unfamiliar with or I, I don't know exactly why what's being said is being said, I'll actually put a little question mark in the margin in my Bible, I'll just like with a pencil, I'll just kind of put a little mark there as a reminder to myself to come back to that and learn more about that particular portion of Scripture. But I can tell you, I read the Bible each and every day, and sometimes I have extra time to read it, but sometimes I only have just a few minutes in the nature of how my day might be scheduled or in, with some of the interruptions that might come up. But I do make a point to read a portion of the Bible every day, and I find that uh, that that's something that I would encourage all of us to do, even if you only have a couple minutes to do it, it's still worth doing it. Secondly, make use of of, uh, the many available resources that we have access to, and I'm referring to things that include sermon recordings. Um, you know, right now you're listening to this podcast, so this would be along the lines of of a sermon recording. There's also lots of uh, of good podcasts and and sermon recordings that can be listened to online, or if you have a Christian radio station. Um, there's books that are useful resources that. Uh, 
can help you as you're as you're trying to study the scriptures. People that have taken the time to explain the details of the scriptures, study Bibles are very helpful. Some online articles. I don't know if you're familiar with the website gotquestions.org, but it's fantastic. They have uh, just all sorts of of very useful resources and online articles on that website, gotquestions.org. Definitely check that out if you get a free moment to do so. But also local church study groups. I don't want to ever underestimate or underemphasize the power of the local church as Christ has enabled the local church to be filled with men and women who build into each other and edify one another. And local church study groups can be a fantastic way to become uh, well acquainted with the details of the scriptures. The third thing I'd recommend is this. Understand that the main theme of the Bible is Jesus and his redemptive plan. When you're in the Old Testament, recognize that the scriptures are pointing to Jesus. When you're in the New Testament, again, understand that the scriptures are pointing to Jesus. There's a road to Christ in every portion of God's word. The fourth thing I'd recommend is this, as you're trying to develop an understanding of the content of God's Word, is to repeat this process regularly and quiz yourself on what you're learning. So just ask yourself questions, kind of quiz yourself a little bit to make sure that some of this stuff that you're learning is being retained. A fifth thing I'd recommend is this, never be afraid to say, I don't know, but I'll look it up. If someone ever asks you a question you've never thought about before, odds are you'll never forget what you learn from it because that experience will be something that that really sears itself into your mind. But if someone comes up with a kind of a nuanced question or a question about something that you've really never thought to research before, don't be afraid to say, I don't know that specific answer, but I'll be happy to look it up. I'll be happy to do some research or maybe ask some people and get back to you. A lot of times we think that we have to know every last detail. Well, let me free you of that thought right now. Who is omniscient? Who knows everything? Our Lord knows everything. We don't. He does. You don't have to know everything. He knows everything. So don't be afraid to say, I don't know, but I'll look it up. That's a wise thing to do from time to time, particularly if someone asks you a question that you've never thought about before. And a sixth piece of advice that I'd like to give you is this. Don't minimize the power of sharing your personal testimony when talking to others. Tell people about what Christ has done for you. Whether you think you're an articulate person or not, just simply share about your faith. Share about what Jesus has done for you. Share about the hope that you have in him. Don't minimize the power of sharing your personal testimony, the story of Christ's work in your personal life. Preparation reduces fear. Be ready to help someone else understand why your hope is in Christ. One other piece of advice that Peter gives us here in this portion of Scripture that we would do well to to commit to memory is this. Keep your conscience clear. Look at what he says in verses 16 and 17. He says, Having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. So again, the last thing Peter encourages the church to do in this 
portion of this chapter is to maintain a clear conscience. When your conscience isn't clear, you continually live with the fear of getting caught. Maybe some of us today are afraid of being audited by the IRS because we weren't honest with our tax returns. Or maybe some of us are afraid of someone reviewing our internet history. When we violate our conscience, we invite fear and we invite depression into our lives. But when we live with Christ-empowered integrity, always mindful that his eyes are upon us, we don't need to fear being slandered. We don't need to fear being attacked. The way we carry ourselves will serve as a testimony to our genuine belief in Christ, and the long-term trail of evidence produced during our lives will back that up. If we're going to suffer, it's better to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. This portion of Scripture gives us great counsel as to how we can overcome our fear of other people if that's something that we've been wrestling with. We don't need to be afraid, even if suffering comes. We've set apart Christ as Lord. Our ultimate hope is anchored in Him. And we're resisting the decision to violate our conscience by remaining mindful of Christ's presence with us and within us. These are the things that Peter was pointing out to the early believers as they were wrestling with genuine fear of those in their culture. And maybe some of these things wouldn't be the uh, immediate things that would come to your mind as a remedy for dealing with the fear of other people. But when we look at this portion of Scripture, this is the counsel we're given. And it was applicable for believers living during the century in which Peter wrote these words, and it's just as applicable for us living right now. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word, and thank you for the privilege of being able to look at it together today. Thank you for the fact that, that this portion of Scripture reminds us that, that you, Lord Jesus, are present with us in all matters and in all areas. You call us to, to live with integrity that, that is inspired and empowered by you. You call us to live with a recognition of the fact that you are our Lord, that our ultimate hope is anchored in you, and even if suffering comes, Lord, you remind us we don't need to be afraid, because you'll make use of that suffering in some way to glorify your name and to bring blessing to us. So again, Lord, thank you so much for your word and for the teaching we find in it. Help us, Lord, by your grace to apply these truths to our day-to-day -day lives. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this episode of the Informal Bible Study. As I mentioned at the start of this episode, we just released Desire Jesus, Volume 9. It's a 30-day devotional series geared toward helping you grow in your walk with Christ. You can find it on Amazon, so Volume 9 is now available on Amazon in both Kindle edition and in paperback. But if you'd like it for free, you can download a free digital copy right from our website, desirejesus.com. Just stop by and download a free copy. We have that up there. It's live right now on the website if you're listening to this episode soon after it's been released. And it'll be there for a little while, so we want to make sure that you get it in your hands if you'd like a copy. 
But that's it for us today. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week, and we look forward to catching up with you again right here next Monday. Take care. Want to learn more about God and his will for your life one verse at a time? I'm Quinise Petway, co-host of the Your Daily Bible Verse podcast. I'm inviting you to tune in and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.